Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. A lot of times people have grown up in an environment of negativism, uh, act spiritual ignorance, darkness, unbelief. And without realizing it, they learned how to be defeated. They learned how to think and talk death and failure. And the problem in this world, that goes unnoticed. That's normal in the ungodly world. It's, it's, people notice it when you start talking life and you start talking victory, and you start calling those things that be not as though they were, and let the weak say, I am strong, that's where people go, whoa, whoa, what do you mean by all that? You know, what's, you start going upstream. But if you want something different than what most people are getting, you got to do something different than most people are doing. And that way is the faith way. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come into the class Let's learn about this. Let's grow in this today. Father, all of us agree together is touching this, asking for the anointing, for the utterance, for the quickening and working of your Holy Spirit within us, on us, through us. Open our eyes to see the truth that we may be delivered from wrong thinking and from darkness and ignorance. Show us your right things and right ways, and we will rejoice in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look with me in Hebrews, the third chapter again, Hebrews chapter 3. We've been studying a series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. And in Hebrews 3 and verse 7, he says, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Verse 10, he said, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. Verse 12, he said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 15, he said it again, while it said, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Verse 19, he says, So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. This unbelief that the scripture here calls evil, it robbed them of what God had planned for them. You'll hear some people saying, Well, yeah, no, if... if uh, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And if it didn't happen, it must not have been God's will. That's not true. That's not true. Just because something God's will and plan for you does not mean it will happen anyway or automatically. It, it could never happen. 
You might say, well, I don't believe that because God is God. And he's well, no, he's not going to control you. He's not going to force you to do something against your will. And if you have the choice to not listen to him and not follow him and obey him, then you forfeit his plan. You forfeit his will. And that's what happened with them. They, uh, it was God's will. It was God's plan that they get delivered out of Egyptian slavery and bondage and in a very short amount, amount of time go across that wilderness into the land that flowed with milk and honey where he said houses you didn't build, vineyards and, and, and orchards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig, the list goes on. A, just a blessed life. And what a dream this was for former slaves, right? You, not only did you not own anything, you didn't own yourself, your own body. You were somebody else's property. And to be completely free and now be a landowner and a homeowner and a business owner flock, that's a dream. It's still a dream. But it was God's will and God's plan and it was in motion and it was happening until they started just balking and refusing to listen and wouldn't obey and wouldn't do what he told them to do. And they kept doing it time after time after time until there were 10 major events where they did it. And finally the Lord said, fine. What you've been saying is going to happen to you. You've been saying you're not going to make it. You're going to die in the wilderness. Well, that's what's going to happen to you. Was that God's choice for them? No. It was their choice. It was contrary to God's choice. So no, don't believe all this religious junk that everything is the will of God and everything, even all the cruelty and death and pain somehow pleases God, it's not true. It is absolutely not true. The reason there's so much pain and suffering and heartache and curse and death is because human beings have a free will and have chosen to reject God and do their own thing and go their own way. And, and Romans says the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Not God's choice. Man's choice. But you don't have to go the way of most of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of this unbelieving world. And you can have the will of God if you'll believe. You can enjoy the blessings of God in this life and for sure the next if you will listen and not harden your heart. Sit out loud. I will not, I will not harden, my harden my heart. I will listen. I will, listen. I will, believe. I will believe. I will trust the Lord. I will, trust the Lord. I will obey Him. I will and, I will and I will enjoy His plan, enjoy his plan for, my life. for my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You believe that? Yes. Go with me back to Numbers. We studied the first... Ten major events that I referred to, starting at the Red Sea for the first one. And the tenth one was in Numbers 14 at Kadesh Barnea when they sent the spies into the land. Well, this we're up to number 11 now in our study, uh, Numbers 16, 
which we're calling Korah's Rebellion. Now, we, we looked at, at quite a bit of this yesterday, yesterday's class, and um, we saw that Korah, Dathan, Abiram, On, and 250 famous princes in the congregation, they had a full-blown, well-organized coup uh, against uh, Moses and Aaron to overturn them, to get rid of them, and replace their leadership, probably with themselves. And uh, they said to Moses and Aaron, verse 3, you take too much on you, they said. They said, all of us are holy. God uses all of us. Why do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Well, they didn't lift up themselves. They didn't call themselves. They didn't send themselves. This is a lie. And so Moses heard it. He fell on his face and obviously got something from God when he was laying there on the ground. That's what he was doing, seeking God. He knows this is, they're in trouble. He knows uh, judgment could happen here. And so uh, he gets up and he says, well, here's what we're going to do. Everybody get you a censer. Uh, you, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, on all you 250 leaders, all of you get censers. Now, nobody was supposed to have a, a holy incense in their censer and offer it before the Lord. Only Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, the, the, the priests. Only them, according to God. Only they, just like only the high priest was to go into the Holy of Holies and offer the blood on the mercy seat uh, to, to make atonement. Only. And somebody said, well, why? You know, we're in the New Covenant. Why are we talking about all this? Because all of this was pointing to Jesus. We have a great high priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. The, the blood of, of animals, of bulls and goats, could never, Hebrew said, take away sin. It could only cover the sin. And that's why it had to be done every year. It had to continue. Why? Just cover it. Why cover it? It wasn't washing it away. It wasn't making it go away. It wasn't paying for it. Covering it until when? Until the one would come whose blood could wash away sin. Hallelujah. That's our high priest. And so who has a right to go into the Holy of Holies and offer the blood? Only the high priest. Right? And so them acting like, well, all the people are holy. Any of us can do this. That's not true. That is not right. Everybody cannot do what Jesus did. Can you see this class? It's not true. And it's true on, on all the, the lesser scales. Even though we are all equally loved, equally saved, have equal rights to redemption and the Spirit and healing and the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean we're all called and graced with the same calls and anointings. And Moses didn't call himself. He didn't grace himself. Aaron didn't. And in disrespecting Moses and Aaron and rejecting them, God took it personally because they are, were his choice. And so he says, take your censers 
And you're all going to stand up and offer before the Lord. Verse 17, uh, well, verse 16, Moses said to Korah, Be thou and all your company before the Lord, you and Aaron's going to come too tomorrow. Now, they don't, they don't realize it, I guess. But when he said that, they have less than 24 hours to live. He said, Take every man his censer and put incense in them and bring you before the Lord every man his censer, 250 censers. You and Aaron, each of you is censer. And they did it. All the congregation knew. This is only for the priests. And yet they did it. They took every man his censer, put fire in them, laid incense, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. This is a showdown. There's a, a, a lot of people, you know, thousands of people then are gathered uh, complicit in this coup, in this rebellion. And so they are, and they came out there with their censers, with their metal uh, containers that had coals of fire and incense and the smokes coming out of them. Treating holy things as though they're common. Come on, can you see that? Is that still wrong today? It's still wrong today. Treating holy things as though... And you'll, you'll notice that our generation has lost some ground even from the previous generation, and they did from their, what am I talking about? Just simply showing respect. And people have gotten to a point where uh, nothing is important. Uh, nothing is a big deal. Nothing is special. You know, I've had people kind of uh, poke fun at me because I still uh, wear a coat and a tie when I come and preach on Sunday morning. People say, Brother Keith, don't you know that's all, you know, that's old, that's passe. passe. And, and I, I said, well, you know, um, I notice they still do it when they tell the weather. <laughs> On TV, I notice they still do it. Sports figures, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Sport when they're commentators. I notice businessmen that go to important meetings, they, they still do it. Why? It's not, a coat and a tie is a Western thing. People that dress up in other parts of the world, they wear something else. It's not about a coat and a tie. It is about making something special. It is about doing your best. Can you see that? And I don't, I dress differently in my backyard. Is that right? In a barbecue than I do when I come to handle the Word of God. Now, this is a little bit different. This is a class setting and, and, and a different thing, so we do it a little differently. But e- even so, my wife sees to it that these shirts are ironed and pressed. <laughs> I, 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 I shouldn't come in here looking too frumpy, even though it's not Sunday morning. So uh, what, what am I saying? You're going to do it different ways. Cultures vary, but there should be some effort made to show respect. Is that right? To show when things are holy and when things are special. This is not common 
And this is not every day and everybody. And that's what they're trying to say. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. Everybody get you a censor. Yeah, everybody. Let's just have a censor a party. Yeah, and you're about to die. <laughs> so they did. Verse 19, they gathered. And the glory of the Lord, verse 19, appeared to all the congregation. You know, there was this uh, a cloud that was vertical, pillar, that stood above the big tent tabernacle. It stood at the entrance. And there are times when that cloud would come down to the door of the tabernacle. And at nighttime, you could see it was like fire inside of a cloud. You could see it. It lit up the place. Now, do they really think Moses is making that happen? <laughs> Aaron's making that happen? Isn't it something? You can be around spectacular miracles and get used to it and still act like a heathen, unbelieving, rebellious. So the glory of the Lord appeared before the, to all the congregation, I mean, you could see it. There are two million people out there. You could see it way in the back. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Everybody say, separate yourselves. Separate say it again, separate yourselves. Separate Does it matter who you hang around? Yes. Does it matter who you're involved with? It does. You, you don't want to be at the wrong place with the wrong people when things have gone too far and judgment starts happening. Even though maybe you, you weren't part of it, you could get caught up in some things, being at the wrong place and at the wrong time. And uh, they fell on their faces, Moses and Aaron did, and they said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh shall one man sin? And will you be wroth with all the congregation? Now here's something that you, you see why God chose Moses. Over and over again, he, he took a place between judgment and the people. He took a place of intercession. There was even one point where he said, God, if you're not going to forgive them, just blot me out of your book too. Now that is the heart of the master, Jesus, right? That's exactly what he did. He took our place and was judged instead of us. Now, what happened next was judgment. But the judgment was still not God's highest and best, not his perfect will. You'll notice that every time Moses interceded and he said, well, God, yeah, but would you spare them? Yeah, but God, would you forgive them? Every time he asked for it, God did it. Every time. 
But what you'll see in this case with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram in those 250, they didn't ask for any mercy. And they would not repent. If you don't ask for mercy, you don't get mercy. And if you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. It was true then. It's still true now. People say, yeah, but Jesus, we live in the age of grace. And Jesus paid for all of our sins. He sure did. But you won't enjoy it unless you receive it. And you still, you won't get mercy unless you ask for it. If you act like you don't need it and you're fine without Jesus, will you be saved anyway? You won't. The Lord said there were many that were in going down the wide path of destruction. No, you got to ask for it and you got to receive it. So we see that uh, he, he, he asked for it and then the Lord said, well, speak to the congregation and say, get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. He said, well, you better tell them they better get away from them. Are there things we need to separate ourselves from and put distance between us and it and us and them? See, that's the reason. Why are all these things written? 1 Corinthians 10 says they're examples for us. We're supposed to learn. What are we supposed to learn from this? Are there still lessons today? So Moses got up. And he went to Dathan and Abiram, verse 25, and the elders of Israel followed him. So not everybody was in on the rebellion. The elders were still with Moses. He spoke to the congregation and said, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Touch nothing of theirs. Now, hold your place there and uh, look in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. That's New Testament, isn't it? 2 Corinthians. Yeah. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer to that? None. What communion has light with darkness? What's the answer? None. This is New Testament. Is this true today? It's still true today, right? What concord has Christ with Belial? None. What part has he that believe, believes with an infidel? None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. He said, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Isn't that exactly what he told them? There were Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And be, be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Is it still true that you don't want to be associated with wrong things and ungodly things and, and blasphemous things? And he even went so far to say, don't touch it. 
He said, don't, uh, don't touch Korah's things, Dathan's and Abiram's. He said, you need to get away from them and you need to do it now. And the ones that did, it, it saved their life. Go with me to the book of Revelation, if you would. Oh, thank you, Lord. Anybody glad that God gives us opportunity to, 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 to get mercy and, and to be spared from things? Oh, thank God. In, in Revel, Revelation, the second chapter and the 20th verse, he said, uh, I have a few things against you, he said, because you suffer that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants. Verse 21, I gave her space to repent, and she repented not. Verse 22, I will cast her into a bed, uh, and them that commit adultery into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Notice the phrase, they repented not. That was the thing that brought the destruction. Not just their sin. Oh, class, are you listening? Yes. Not just their sin. And man, some of these people, their sin was grievous and long duration and resulted in the deaths of many and cruelty. And, and still, that's not what caused them to be destroyed. You know, the Bible said in Second Peter that uh, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I was uh, uh, on a trip with a man one time and he was a, uh, a pilot that we had uh, hired contract to help us on a trip. And um, I, I could tell he was a little uncomfortable being around uh, some of services and things. And, and um, he was doing some things and had some habits. And, and so uh, we were in the elevator. I remember we were going... Uh, going in the elevator to some part of the building. And, and um, I just looked at him and I said, uh, I said, you know, nobody's in hell for, and I named several habits. He looked at me. He said, really? I said, no. I said, nobody's in hell for lying, stealing, adultery, murder, genocide, he looked at me, his eyes got big. I said, Jesus paid for all those sins. Did he or did he not? Yes. Yes. I said, people go to hell because they won't receive. They won't repent and they won't receive. And it wasn't their sins, Korah's, Dathan's, and Abiram's sins that caused them to be judged. If you've read the chapter, you know what happened next with the ground opening up. That's not what did them in. It was their refusal to repent. That's what caused them to be destroyed. Everybody said out loud, I will not, I will not be hard-hearted hard and stiff-necked stiff and refuse to repent. I, refuse I will repent. I will, repent. I will judge myself. I will judge and I will be spared. I will be spared. And I will, I will not be destroyed. I will enjoy, I will enjoy full salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our time is up again, but aren't you glad the Lord is so merciful if you'll ask for it? 
I'm going to be quick to ask. How about you? Well, come back tomorrow. We're just in the middle of this account. Come back tomorrow and let's get some more of it. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.